For those that don't know me, my name is Eric. Nice to meet you all. I am the um, Operation Connection Pastor over here at the Vineyard. And on behalf of Pastor Kathy and Pastor Tim, welcome. I believe God has a word for us today. And uh, I am a teacher, so I would like to take my time. So if at any moment you need to get up and leave, or you need to go, I'm, I'm, I'm excusing you now. Because I really want to take time. See, the preaching of the word, we need every part of the of the body, of, of every every expression of the body of Christ, and every part. The Bible says that there are many members, are uh, one body, many, many members. So we all play a part, right? So the preaching is the proclamation of the word of God. So it's so it comes to proclaim the gospel. And so through pro, through proclaiming the gospel, we get inspired, we get information. But when it's teaching, when it comes to teaching, that comes to explain the gospel. And with explaining the gospel, we're able to get a level of understanding, a level of clarity for the, for the, um, to insight application. And so I would, I, would, I would do a disservice to you to just come and share, and share just to incite your emotions. So as a teacher, I want to incite application. Amen? Amen. So, I do, so I believe as I begin to share on this morning that the Holy Spirit will begin to illuminate your eyes and give you a level of understanding and insight than what you didn't have before you came. And if, and, and if you leave with that, I believe that's enough. But I believe also that the Holy Spirit, you're going to leave with a level of um, sensitivity and awareness of the Holy Spirit that's really going to help you in the days to come. And so we hear oftentimes this is a prophetic house, and it is. So what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. What's a church without the Holy Spirit? It's a dead church. What's a, what's a church without the inspiration, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in it and through it? It's a dead church. So we don't want to be a dead church. What happens when you do the things of God without the Holy Spirit? It's called dead works. So we don't want to be a dead church individually and as a body, and we don't want to do dead works. So we want to be a, a, a body of people that are moved, sensitive, and, um, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because it's when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit that we really are really able to make a difference in, and we see effectiveness and change in, in the life of other people. Amen? So what I'm going to be sharing today, if you want to write this down, and if I, I encourage you, I'm going to give you a little time. If you don't have a notebook, get your voice recorder out, or you can go back and listen to the recording, but I believe that what you're getting ready to hear today, and know this, every word that you hear, you will be tried. I, didn't, I don't know if y'all ever heard that. I didn't know if y'all were aware of that, but since you was under the word, the enemy's going to come immediately to try you. So it will be for your benefit to take notes. It will be for your benefit to take heed, and it also will be for your benefit to open your heart, because whether or not, whether or not you believe it, that's not going to be determined whether or not you still try. So you will be tried. Amen? Amen. So we're talking about embracing a life with the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. 
a third per a third a third the third person of the Godhead in the Trinity. So we we know the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So there is one God, but expressed in three persons and three personalities. There's a divine synergy that's within them. And so I know a lot of people think, well, it's only, it's, you know, it's just God the Father. And, and oftentimes we hear Jesus is God, but I just want to bring understanding. In the beginning, they all existed. It is one God. But just to bring clarity, for the sake of clarity, we have God the Father, who is a spirit that creates. In the beginning, and if you go back to the book of Genesis, because they all have different functions. They function different. They have different signs. But there's so much synergy within them, within the, within them we, think we, we think it's one person or one expression. But they all have different personalities. So the Father creates. The scripture says, in the beginning was the word. Or it should, should I say, he says, in the beginning, let there be light. And so we see the function of the Father creating by, by way of his words. Now, because we're creating his image and his likeness, we have that same ability to create when inspired to speak things uh, by way of the Holy Spirit, which, which, gonna get, which we're going to get into. So, the, so they have different, so the Father creates, the Son redeems, because we know God sent Jesus to redeem the world. And the Holy Spirit sanctifies and purifies us. So they have a different roles. Where, where is the, the scripture says that Jesus is seated? Thank you. So the scripture says that Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. Therefore, if he's seated on the right hand of the Father, how can it be one? I mean, how can it be the same person? So in other words, and when Jesus was on the cross and he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Who was he talking to? He was talking to his father. So Jesus, and, 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 and just because I know a lot of times we go to that scripture in John, it says the beginning was the word. We can go to it right now. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 15. I'm going to read, I'm gonna read the, the New Living Translation. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, the word already existed. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I'm going to move down to verse 14. So the word became human, made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, the one and, and the one and only. Now, the, 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 um, the King James Version said the word was made flesh. And so what that means is, if you want to know what the word is, Jesus is literally the embodiment, the, the perfect expression of the word. And so as sons and daughters of God, we're called to become the word. So that's what it means when it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. If you want to know what God, what God looks like and what it looks like to, to actually walk out the word, Jesus. Jesus the, is, the, is the perfect expression, and he's the firstborn and the model that we're to look to, to as we're becoming sons of God, because we're all becoming. Amen? 
John 17, 3. I love going to this scripture. Because the purpose of all of us all going to um, becoming born again, you know, God creating and having to redeem the world because of um, Adam and Eve's sin, he having to redeem and, and bring it back to what its former state. He had to buy us back. He had to pay for sin because sin cost a lot. But thank God for Jesus, he paid for it, amen? So the purpose of, of receiving Christ and, and, and being born again is not just to go to heaven. That's just the benefits. But this is actually it. It, mean, it means to have eternal life. He says this, it's not my will that any shall perish, but all shall have eternal life. So we need to know what eternal life is, right? And so it says, this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, and to become acquainted with, and understand you, the only true and real God, and likewise to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah whom he hath sent. So, so eternal life is progressive. Eternal, eternal life has to do with a journey. It's not a, it's not a destination. So once we get saved, you know, we don't just, um, we, we, we not meet to a destination, now we can die and just go to heaven. No, that's the beginning. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the door. No one can come to the Father except by me. So by, what that means is, although he, he died for our sins, but unless we come to him, he's simply the door and, and, the, and gives us the access to connect with the Father. And the Holy Spirit, who he sent, is 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 sort of like he's a he's um he he he's like he's the one that helps us channel and get and get connected to the Father. If that makes sense. And so I'm I'm going to John 17:21, and I'm gonna read the New Living Translation. And in this particular in this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus was praying um, for the church. Let's see what he prayed for the church. And he says. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you, and, I'm, and, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. So there was a level of synergy within Jesus, within the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. Notice throughout Scripture, God would testify, the Father would testify of Jesus, Jesus would testify of the Holy Spirit. Jesus would also testify of the Father. So they all testified of one another. What does that mean? That means, look, watch this. And through all the, all the scriptures, every, um, every book that was written, they were, they were in, a, in the gospel. They were testifying of Jesus. Why? Because they knew him. They had encountered him. They had, they had experience with him. So we all have different testimonies. But our testimonies are birthed out of what? Our experiences with God. And so that's what allows us to testify. This is why I can stand up here and say, the Holy Spirit is real. God is real. Jesus is real. Because I'm testifying through my experience. And so I want to encourage your hearts that it's okay if you're going through. It's in your darkness that God wants to reveal his light. It's in your sickness that God wants to reveal that he's a healer. And so God, and so God in his infinite nature and many characteristics, he wants to reveal himself in different ways, but he cannot do that without with um he cannot do that without us going through because it's through going through that we get to him. Otherwise, if we if we got everything together, we you know, we probably won't pray. We probably won't seek him. We probably won't open our mouth 
and, and begin to trust and depend on him. And God wants, to, God wants to bring us to the end of ourselves. So the first thing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a promise. It is a promise. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. In, in whom you have trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance into the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise and glory. So once we get saved, once we get born again, God give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, who was also who, who He also promised to us. In John 14, 15 through 18, he says, If you really love me, he, John 14. Through 15 through 18. He says, if you really love me. Okay, I'm sorry. Verse 16. Okay, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in five versions, he breaks down what that comforter is. He's a counselor. He's a helper. He's an intercessor. He's an advocate. He's a strengthener and he's a standby. He's a counselor because he brings us comfort when we're going through things. He's a helper because he begins to not only bring us comfort, he gives us strength. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's our intercessor because the scripture says that when we know not what to pray with we ought, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings which cannot be uttered. Those groanings are talking about tongues. So if you hear... When you hear, if you heard me speaking in a different language, you're like, what is that? That's, that's, the, that's the tongues. That's the language of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, when we know now what to pray, naturally the Holy Spirit begins to pray for us and through us as we begin to open our mouth with those utterance. I've had times where the Holy Spirit was, would pray for me and through me and while I was sleeping. I'm praying in the Spirit, and, you know, he's just praying through me. And the scripture says, he who knows the mind of the spirit, but the spirit who prays the perfect will of God. So there's no better person to pray for you than the Holy Spirit because he knows everything. That's the things that are seen and unseen. So he's our strengthener and our standby. And so he says that he may remain with you forever. Which, which brings me to my first point. Once, we, once you come to Christ and you receive... Uh, salvation and you say that confession of the faith because where he says we're justified by our words the first expression of the holy spirit we receive is the indwelling of the holy spirit the indwelling what that means is the indwelling of the holy spirit comes to live in on the inside of our hearts and so what that does it 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 not only regenerates our natural body our spirits which were dead prior because we were morally dead this is why we could live kind of way and not feel 
and not feel bad. But once the Holy Spirit, now watch this. The reason we even got saved is because the Holy Spirit was dealing with us. But the Holy Spirit was dealing with us from the outside. So the Holy Spirit, the, the scripture says that Jesus says no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And so there's so many of us that are here even today, the Holy Spirit woke you up. The Holy Spirit drew you here right now to hear this word. And so the Holy Spirit is able to speak to you from the outside. And this is where we get, well, something told me to do this. Something told me to do that. That's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's important that we recognize that. Because he's always talking to us. But he's dealing with us from the outside. Now, once you receive Christ, now he's dealing with us from the inside. And that's the, because he's indwelling on the inside of us. And now we have constant access to him. And in, and in that having constant access, we get to experience him being that comforter. We get to experience him being that strengthener. And all these amazing things. Amen? Holy Spirit is a gift. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter says, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift. And the thing I love about, I know we've heard that, you know, I don't know if you heard it, but I've heard people teach or say that you can lose the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that because the Bible says that God gives... The gifts are given without repentance. So what that means is God is not an Indian giver. He's not going to give you something and then take it away. A gift, the amazing thing about a gift is it's not something you earn or deserve. It's something that you receive. And so we receive his gifts by faith. This is why it says that it's, 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 without faith it's impossible to please God. Not because he's so displeased with us and and and, and um and we have to do something to earn his love and all that. That's not what it means. The reason it's impossible to please God without faith is simply because it requires faith. It requires faith. Are you believing that he exists and believing in order for you to believe that he exists and believe that he's able to do the things that he desires to do? And if you don't have faith, you'll never move and you won't believe. And so unbelief and doubt is a hindrance to your faith. And so this is why it's impossible to please God because God wants us to do Many things he wants to, he wants us to transform, you know, our very homes. He wants to, but he wants to transform us. But if we don't believe that he exists, how can we do that? If we don't believe that he exists, if we don't believe that he sent his son, how can he do any of this? So it requires faith. But the same way we come into the kingdom is the same way we have to live. So it requires a level of dependency. And Jesus modeled that through his, through his life. Jesus said, I don't do anything I say anything unless the Father tells me. So he was so in sync with the Father that he knew the Father's heart. This is why we open up the Bible. If you want to know the mind of God, it's in here. But too much of the mind of God will have us becoming legalistic and religious because the, the Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. The Scripture said that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we need the inspiration of the Holy Spirit blowing on those Scriptures. Because the word of God is not a regular book like the one I just wrote. It's not a regular book where you just read it. But it's a book. It's, a, it's not a book for your intellect. It's a book for your spirit. So it has to be meditated. And the Holy Spirit's job is to watch this. It's not for your mind. 
but it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to begin to um, is to is to begin to bring understanding or clarity to your mind. So it's to be spiritually discerned. It's not to be well. My, your mind's not gonna understand. Your mind's not gonna understand tongues. It's not. You trying to understand what is they saying? What are, your, so it's not for your it's not for your mind. It's for your spirit. So as you receive it to your spirit, then your spirit begins to communicate it to your mind, and, and then the lights come on. Bloop. He's like, ah, I don't know how I know that. I just know it. But you can't explain how you know it. It's because the Holy Spirit is opening up the, the eyes of your heart. The role of the Holy Spirit. One of the, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the, real, the will and purposes of God for our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter, nine, I mean chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. The Amplified Version. But, it, but on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard has not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits he bestowed. Yet to us, God has unveiled them and revealed them by through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently and exploring, examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. So the Holy Spirit's job is to bring illumination. Without the Holy Spirit, we're blind. Without the Holy Spirit, we're limited to information. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't know what God's purpose for our life. And this is why God speaks by way of prophecy. And so prophecy comes to reveal the mind and, and begins to speak what heaven is saying. And it begins to, and it begins to um, show us the eyes of God. Begin, and so, and be, so through, through, prophetic, through prophetic utterance, God begins to communicate through, through people what our eyes haven't seen, what our ears haven't heard, things that we couldn't possibly make up. But he's revealing to us his plans, his purposes for our lives. But it requires faith to even grab that because it's so far, it can seem so far from our natural that it requires faith. Okay, God, if you said this, I believe it. So let me meditate this. Let me get it in my heart. And I even, I, one of the things I begin to do is when I get prophetic words that I, that I, I don't necessarily believe in that moment, what I begin to do, I prepare myself to become that word. So, you, so it may be not be a word that you can apply right now, but it, it's, a, it's a word that you can put on a, on, a, on a shelf and you can continue to meditate. Okay, God, you said this about me. Because the Holy Spirit, he comes to teach us all things in, according to John chapter 14, 25 through 27. He says, I have told you these things while I am still with you. But the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father would send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, meaning he will remind you of, 
he will remind you of the things that Jesus said and everything I've told you. And so watch this. So the Holy Spirit, we could be going through something in our natural life, and, and we're not even be thinking about necessarily the word. The Holy Spirit job is, is to uh, bring the, back the word to your remembrance so you can know how to respond. So he, what, he would do, what he would do by way of, of encouragement, you're going through something, and then you remember this word. And that word, is to, that word is to incite hope. That word is to incite encouragement. Even when you can't necessarily see it. So I want to talk about three aspects of embracing the Holy Spirit. I talked about the, in, the, in, the indwelling. So if you really add this four. But the first one I want to talk about now is the infilling of the Spirit. And to be filled means to put something into a container for example, to capacity or to be desired. And so the, the interesting thing about the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is uh, when we're filled with the Holy we can we can constantly be uh, filled with the Spirit. Like when we come into environments like this where the, where the Spirit is moving and worship is going, but we may, we, may, we may have experience like being depleted and just, oh my God, like all the life, like Monday, like Monday through you know, Friday, Sunday, just Saturday, it took a lot out of me. So I, I can't wait to get to church so I can just, you know, so I can just release and get filled back up again. That's one of the expressions of, of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 1. And this, this, is, this is an instance when, uh, when a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus was, was having a conversation with Jesus. And, and one, of the things he, one of the things he asked Jesus was, what must a man do to be born again? And so this is that conversation. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no man can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born if, if he is old? Can he enter the second time his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says, verily I say unto you, except a man is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. So, the, so what, what Jesus was saying, and this is, this is why he moved the way he moved. Jesus, went to, Jesus, before he even went to the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil, he got baptized because he, he told, and John the Baptist said, it is I that needs to be bitten baptized by you. But he says, no, allow it to be so, so that all righteousness is fulfilled. So, he should, so Jesus was uh, walking in such a way that we will model him, that we will understand in order to be born again, that we have to be born of the water, which symbolizes being water baptized, which symbolizes being dying with Christ and being resurrected, and also being born of the Spirit. We have to be born of the Spirit because without receiving the Holy Spirit, we are not His. Because without the Holy Spirit, we are spiritually dead, which means we're not morally alive. So the Holy Spirit comes to awaken all that. You understand? What are some of the manifestations of being spirit-filled? You receive the gift of tongues. That's one of the manifestations. You also receive the spirit of prophecy. When you receive the Holy Spirit, this is why everyone can prophesy. 
But prophesying doesn't make you a prophet. You're able to prophesy because you receive the spirit of prophecy. So as so now you have the ability and the gifting um, to receive communications from Holy Spirit. And he's able to show you things to come for others. And he's able to show you things to come for yourself. The Holy Spirit also allows you to speak with boldness. Naturally, I used to be an introvert. Well, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I am an introvert. But, but because I'm walking this journey of faith, the Holy Spirit empowers me and gives me boldness to be able to speak to you. So the Holy Spirit. So I can't, I can't, I understand I can't do what I do without the Holy Spirit. But it requires faith. Right? To be spirit-filled is to be filled with the Spirit of God, therefore allowing him to do the work of sanctification and purification in our lives so that the fruit of the Spirit can be cultivated in our lives. And those fruit are love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. And the scripture says in, 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 in Galatians, it says against these, like, against these things, like, there's no law that can put, be placed against you. So this is one of the ways we can see the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit working and ripening in people's lives. But these fruit has to be cultivated. How are they cultivated? They're cultivated through trials. They're cultivated through tests. I know it doesn't feel good to go through. It doesn't feel good. But what God is doing, as Pastor Kathy mentioned earlier, God is allowing faith, um, patience to work in us. He says, he says um, count it all joy when you're under diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. So no one's born with patience, but without the trial, without the, without the test, then you won't, you won't be able to identify your, your own spiritual growth, and you won't be able to allow that patience to begin to work in you where you really begin to trust God. Acts 4.31. Just, I'm, just, I'm giving scripture context to what I, what I just gave to you guys. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the, whole, the place where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the, the disciples, no one knew Jesus like the disciples because they actually walked with him. They knew him. But one of the things that Jesus began to tell the disciples in John 16, verse 5, that if he, if he didn't go away, that he wouldn't be able to send the Holy Spirit. So that's in John 16, verse 5 through 7. And he reads, he says, But now I go away. I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I depart, I will send him to you. So another expression of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit leads us. Jesus, the scripture says in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, you have it? Luke chapter 4 verse 1. So after, so right after Jesus got baptized, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. That don't, that don't sound good, right? Like, why would the Holy Spirit lead me? I know we like to think that the Holy Spirit, you know, is gentle, which is true. He's very gentle. But, but as I said, like, God doesn't, God doesn't want us to stay in a place of comfortability. If you're in a place of comfortability, know that God ain't there. God really want wanna us to live a lifestyle where we're dependent on him. And oftentimes, he will, he will put us in uncomfortable situations on purpose and intentional so we could depend on him. Because if we could do it in our own capacity, it doesn't require faith. But, but oftentimes, most of the things that he leads us to do is either in preparation to something or it's to get something done. If Jesus wasn't obedient and led by the Holy Spirit, and he, if, he didn't, if he didn't withstand those tests in the wilderness after he fasted for 40 days and the, and, the, and, and the devil came to him to tempt him, if he failed that test, then we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have reaped the benefits of his obedience. So how, many, so how many people are waiting on our obedience to the Holy Spirit? How many, how many lives are, is God waiting to change by our yes? But we, we're not seeing necessarily that far in advance. And the way we see ourselves are, are, not, are, are not in align to what, the way God sees us. So it takes a while for us to awaken. And so the wilderness is a, is a necessary place because it's in the wilderness that you learn your identity. It's in the wilderness that you learn how to fight. It's in the wilderness that you learn the voice of the Holy Spirit and the enemy because he's going to talk to you too. The enemy doesn't play fair. So he'll wait to your most vulnerable place. He'll wait to your most vulnerable um, moments and he'll begin to tell you, God don't love you. You can't do this. You can't do that. And God is saying, keep going, son. The Holy Spirit is saying, keep going. I love you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in my image. You can do all things through Christ. The Holy Spirit is there to remind you of these things, but the enemy is telling you everything opposite. So we have to be able to discern the different voices to say, okay, that's not God. This is God. I'm going to gravitate to what God is saying. I'm going to take that. I'm going to leave that. And, and, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna partner with the lies. And we have to make a conscious decision to do that. So not only do we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, we also want to be Holy Spirit driven. And what that looks like is being dependent on the Holy Spirit and trusting the Holy Spirit, which are two separate things. I know we think dependency and trust are the same, but trust is the confidence in or reliance on, the, on, on some person or quality, while dependency is the state of dependence, a refusal to exercise initiative. That means I don't do nothing until God tells me. I don't do nothing. I, I admire William for that because William 
He has mastered this. He don't do nothing to, unless God tells him. Nothing. He's not quick to say yes. So he's, he's one that's exercised that I've observed total dependency upon God, total dependency upon the Holy Spirit. And trusting the Holy Spirit is being able to do something because faith, you, sometimes you feel your faith and there's times you won't feel anything. And so you can't, you, can't, you can't determine them based on how you feel. Sometimes I feel the anointing very strong and sometimes I don't feel anything. So if I move based off how I felt, it wouldn't require faith. God wants to develop us spiritually and, and allow us to make so, um, be mature enough to move regardless of how we feel emotionally. Because if we move emotionally, then we'll be double-minded. Because one minute I believe, the next minute I don't believe. Well, I'm not feeling God today. I guess he's not here. No, he's here. <laughs> Open your mouth. And if, and, if, and if you don't feel him, sometimes it, it requires you just opening your mouth in faith. Like, I was, even as I was preparing this message, I'm just being transparent. As I was preparing this message, I'm like, God, wait, I don't know where you want me to go with this. You know, and I'm going through, I'm an analytical person, so I'm going through a lot in my mind. And I'm like, okay, God, I, I need you. What, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, just going through this whole process. And, I'm, and instead of just keeping it simple, and then so I, I, I did what I know to do. I got in the shower. I said, Holy Spirit, I thank you. And just, I'm a, just, just a side note, doubt and unbelief is a hindrance to even you hearing God. So everything is by faith, right? So out of my mouth, I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I hear your voice according to John chapter 10. You said your sheep know your voice and the voice of a stranger they shall not follow. Holy Spirit, I thank you that, that I hear you. I thank you that I know you. I thank you that you move in me. I thank you that you, move, that you speak to me, and I thank you that you speak through me. You have to begin to declare things by faith, and you can't wait to feel like it. What happens now, you bring your emotions under subjection to the word. Now you're bringing your emotions in subjection to the spirit, but you're not being led by your emotions, being led by the spirit. And there's two ways to that. You can be read, this is why I said be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So you can be led by the word that you know, and you can be read by the word um, that the Holy Spirit gives to you in different moments. And they're both very important. One is the logos, the written word. One is the rhema. What is God speaking right now? So we have to develop dependency on the Holy Spirit, trust in the Holy Spirit, and we have to, and he wants us to yield our will over to the Father. Being spiritually driven means to be consciously aware and sensitive to the Spirit of God in you as well as your own spirit, which God uses to guide and communicate to you. It means you don't desire to move, speak, or do anything without his leading. We see an example of this in John chapter 5, verse 19, when Jesus says, I only speak and do what I see my father doing. And then in John 5, 19 through 20, he says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the fathers do. For what things soever he do, these also the son likewise. So this is God's desire for us. He wants us to have such a dependence upon him, such a, such a reliance upon him, in the Holy Spirit that we don't just do things on our own accord, but we, we, we are led by him. 
And we also see Moses, I'm going to give an example. Moses was a person that was spirit-driven. In Exodus chapter 33 through 15, we see Moses having this dialogue with God. And, and, and we know he, God is giving him an assignment to lead the Israelites into the promised land. But Moses was so dependent on, and dependent on, on, on God, the hearing the voice of God, and doing what God um, desired him to do, that he refused. He didn't want to go without the presence of God. He didn't want to go without the leading of God. So he said unto him, if your presence does not go with me, I don't want to go. That's somebody that, that's somebody now that not only um, spent time with God, but he had an understanding that he could not do it in his own capacity. He couldn't do it in his own ability. And he refused to move outside of that. This is a place of maturity where Jesus operated. Jesus knew the word and the voice of the, of the Father. So he heard anything, so if he heard anything contrary, he was able to stand and resist the attacks, the tricks, and the fiery darts. Despite of common belief, I believe it's, it is attainable, but it requires being intentional and disciplined and sold off for God. As long as there are parts of us that desire other things that are not in alignment with, with the timing of, and purposes of God, it will be difficult. But it's okay because he still has a plan to perfect those things concerning us as we, as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. This is, why, this is why we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, he does the work. He does the perfecting. The Holy Spirit's job, like I, as, as I mentioned earlier, is to perfect us. The Holy Spirit's job, this is why Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. The Father is in heaven, and the Holy Spirit is here presently with us working. And the Holy Spirit's job is to, perf is to perfect those things concerning us. It's his job to sanctify us. It's his job to prefer us, to purify us. It's his job to change our hearts and all that. As we begin to yield to him, and, and he makes us more like Jesus. He makes us more like Jesus. And this is how we're able to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Amplified Version. The, you know the Holy Spirit has feelings and emotions. He's a person. You can keep that scripture up. There. I'm going to read this one real quick. But there, there's a scripture that, that talks about grieving not the Holy Spirit. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him, by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from consequences of sin. Now, watch this. Now, before we got saved, we could do certain things, and we not feel, we not feel that bad about it. Not we, but, but mentally, we probably could if we have a conscience. But with the Holy Spirit, he deals with us from the inside, so it's, it's beyond our conscience. So when you do anything that displeases the Holy Spirit, you feel it here. You feel it from the inside. You're like, ah, oh, that don't, ah. Oh. And he, he'll make it so uncomfortable that he'll make it so uncomfortable that you have, to, you have to make things right. Say if you're in a heated debate or a conversation with somebody, and in that moment, you may say things that you shouldn't have said. You may say things that you didn't mean. But in that moment, because of you got emotional high or you just um, reacted or something, the, and then when you go away, the Holy Spirit starts to deal with you. Like, oh, oh, okay. And so, so when you have the Holy Spirit, these are, these are the benefits of having the Holy Spirit where 
he's perfecting those things concerning you, and then he's bringing a level of awareness of not only the good things, but the bad things in us, because we all have a good, a bad, and an ugly. Amen? Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to tell the truth. We, have a, we all have a good, bad, and an ugly, but the Holy Spirit is perfecting us. But, but it's okay, you know why? There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. So you don't have to allow those mistakes, those hang-ups to keep you from God, but that, 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 that should be the actual motivating factor to keep you to going into him. Okay, God, I need you. I'm a hot mess without you. I need you to fix me. You know, that's, it's okay. But he encouraged us to walk in the Holy Spirit. But I say to you, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means to be responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. He says, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. And what that means is you're a human nature without God. So naturally, so, so naturally we have the flesh and we have our spirit man. Naturally, the, the, our natural being doesn't want to obey God. So they're in constant fight all the time. But he says, as we continue to live and, and walk in the Holy Spirit and be led, he says, we won't gratify the cravings of our flesh. Now, give an example. He says, anyone that desired to come after him, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. So what that looks like is I get in a, I get in a situation where I get offended. I can make a decision. Am I going to get offended, which is going to yield uh, the fruit of the flesh, or am I going to choose in that moment when the Holy Spirit is saying, uh, you know what, don't respond today, it's okay. And when you do that, what, what begins to happen, you'll you, you, you feel better. But if you react out of that and you begin to speak in accordance to that, it's going to turn, it's going to go in a different place, it's going to go in a different direction. But he's saying if you yield to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is speaking and he is, want, he is desiring to lead us, if we listen to him, then then we, then we won't gratify the cravings of the flesh. The flesh wants to be right. The flesh wants to get its point across. But the Holy Spirit is saying you don't have to do that. You don't have anything to prove. So I want to give you four ways to respond to the Holy Spirit. The first one is become more aware of his presence and practice his presence. And we can do that just simply by acknowledging him. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Hey, how you doing today, Holy Spirit? What, we, what you want to do today? Where you want us to go? How are you? Begin to practice his presence. And you can do that from anywhere. Number two, be confident in the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. The Holy Spirit is at work because the scripture tells us that God has a a, a plan to perfect those things concerning us, and Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. We're going to get to our destination, but we have to be confident in the work that he's doing in us. The third thing is have a love and thankfulness for the Holy Spirit. Be grateful. Thank, acknowledge him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for, the, for what you're doing in our lives. And the fourth one is commune with the Holy Spirit and get to know his character, get to know his likes and his dislikes. And he'll let you know. He'll let you know because if it's something that he don't like or he dislike, you'll feel it from your feeling inside of your spirit. 
Now, I don't want to assume that everyone, everyone has received the Holy Spirit, but if you haven't, I want to, I want to share this scripture because one of the things we have to do is begin to build a desire. I remember the first time I received the Holy Spirit, I was around a, a, a church. They were speaking in tongues and different things like that, and I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know what tongues was, but be, I think being in that environment, it excited um, faith and it excited curiosity, and I knew whatever this was, I needed it. So I want to go to Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. And even, in this, and even in, in this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus was not only exciting about the Holy Spirit, but he was talking about um, the prayer. So there was something that, that he was, uh, a, a, a secret, so to speak, that he was trying to give us even as it pertains to prayer. He said, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be open to you. For everyone that acts and keeps on acting receives. He who seeks and keeps seeking finds. And to him that knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be open. What father among you, if the son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then... Evil as you are, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask and continue to ask? So, so Jesus is teaching us a spiritual principle as it pertains to being perseverant. I mean, pre- being persistent. He says, "Ask and keep asking. Seek and and keep seeking. Knocking and keep knocking." In other words, don't take no for an answer. If it's something that you desire, even as it pertains to spiritual gifts. This is the attitude that he wants us to take. And he says, if you being a good father know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do he desire to give to us? Amen? How much more do he desire to give to us? So I just just want to just, if there's anyone here that, that have not received the Holy Spirit, and desire and desire to receive the Holy Spirit in this way and be led by the Holy Spirit, all this. I want to pray corporately, but also if you, if you desire that on a more personal level, then, you know, as we begin to um, get into the ministry time, then you can come, you can come. But, also, um, but even if this was the first time you heard this, because there's so many different levels of faith, and I feel the unction to move today, uh, take it as a, take it as a, as a seed, and just, um, and just begin to meditate more of that, begin to search it out, begin to ask and inquire of the Holy Spirit, and continue to ask. And if you haven't received your heavenly language, God desires to give it to you. And even if it doesn't happen today, be encouraged to know that it's going to happen. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. And the same way, the same way Tim over here was consistent, coming to get prayer every Sunday, and then God answered his prayer. God desires to do the same thing for you. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you that your word is true, God. That your word is bringing illumination into every heart in this place, even now. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit is present. He's a present help. And so, Father, even now, I thank you that he's bringing comfort under everyone under the sound of my voice. 
He's a present help in, their, in, in, in times of trouble. He's a present help in a time of need. And so, Father, we thank you that you're awakening our spiritual senses even more to begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and to be led by the Holy Spirit even more, Lord. And so, Father, even now, I, just, I pray, Father, that, that just as you release the anointing uh, for, the, for, the, for the Spirit to be released on Pentecost and they begin to speak in their heavenly language, I encourage everyone right now to just begin to open their mouth. I thank you, Father God, that you're releasing even now an anointing, Father, and uh, that, you're, that you're releasing a fresh infilling of your spirit and a fresh infilling of your power upon your people, Lord God. If you have your heavenly language, I encourage you to begin to speak. And if you don't, just begin to just begin to open your mouth and allow the Holy Spirit to fill your to fill your mouth with new language. And you don't have to be ashamed. Wherever you are in your life, wherever you are in your faith, there's nothing to be ashamed. There's something I believe in in being in being bold and making um a, a bold declaration. Jesus, one of the things that Jesus began to say, he says, if you acknowledge me before my if, if you acknowledge me. Before others, I will acknowledge you before my Father. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. The best way to receive from God is to receive in humility. You know that you need help. Don't allow pride to ever stop you from moving forward. Don't ever allow pride to keep you from receiving. God wants to give you those things. So if you're in need of anything, I just open up the altar to you.